told I sounded like I was uh, crushing the poor person on on the podcast breathing in the microphone. All right. That's what happens when different cats brought forth with me. All right, Job chapter number one. Ever been close to a close call? How about this one? Ever been close to a close call? Where you thought you lost your life, where you thought you lost your life. I, I'm gonna pick on my mom back here. She tried to do that to me when I was young. I think she's trying to get rid of me. Somebody pulled out in front of us, and we smacked that car or smacked their truck. Actually, we t-boned them solid. Uh, if you looked at the car in which we uh, were riding in, for those of you that are old enough, you kids don't understand how big a car this thing is. But it was a Chrysler Cordoba. If you remember, they had that great big long front, and uh, the front bumper was right up in the firewall when we were done. I mean, it was uh, pushed up in nice and, and good, and, and uh, when you looked on there, uh, I left my mark on the dash of that car because you know what? They didn't have the seatbelt law. Now I'm telling my age. And uh, they didn't have the seatbelt law, so uh, naturally I came right off the seat, right onto the dash, bang, and guess what else they didn't have? They didn't have an airbag to catch you. I thought for sure. I uh, I remember bits and pieces of the whole incident. I can still in my eyes, mind's eye, my poor wife tonight probably be terrified because uh, in the middle of the night I talk about it, and any time I talk about it, I end up dreaming about it. Um, it's terrible, and uh, because it's uh, one of those pictures in my mind, I've never never been able to get rid of, and uh, it's just uh, amazing to be able to do so and. And uh, as we uh, as we do so, we uh, we've been sharing materials that will build a house of character. Uh, that'll build a house. Uh, and uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, one of those things. And you know what's interesting is, is as we we jump into this one, there's one thing that we have definitely noticed. It's that what's on the inside matters more than what's on the outside. What's on the inside matters a whole lot more than what's on the exterior. See, I can, I can tell you that whether, uh, uh, no matter how much that uh, that accident may have rearranged me um, or rearranged my, my physical uh, stature that day, uh, I come out pretty good. I had a broken nose and a dislocated shoulder, and that's pretty good. Um, and, uh, but uh, all things considered. But you know what? I know this. No matter what the, the, whatever happens on the outside... That's not what really is the end result of our life. It's what's happened on the inside, that character. Folks aren't going to ask about the exterior. They might see the exterior. But you know what people really want to know is what kind of person you are. What kind of person are you? And we've been talking about some of those character qualities that, that build up a person. We're going to talk about one of the great values and virtues that we have to have if we're going to be a person of character, and, and that is perseverance. Perseverance. Now, I like that word. That's one of those words that say uh, you never uh, read uh, a biography, uh, those stories about an individual's life. You never read about one of those and get to the second or third page and it say they were a quitter. Because you know what? A biography wouldn't be written if that person didn't have some perseverance. If they didn't have that perseverance, they, they, uh, they, that's, uh, you're going to look and you're going to see. They're not quitters. Uh, you never see a long line of followers behind a quitter. You never see trophies and awards given to quitters. 
I always think it's funny. I like sports, so there's different uh, different individuals through the sports history. And I always thought it was funny. Somebody asked Michael Jordan why he kept shooting three-point shots. And uh, those of us that are old enough realize, well, he's in the Hall of Fame. No question about it, an excellent ball player. Um, and everybody argues, is he better or is LeBron better? Well, let the numbers speak for him. And uh, that's the easy way to say it. But Michael Jordan in his career missed more shots than he made. That I find amazing. You go, well, yeah, but why do you keep shooting? Because he wasn't a quitter. He had perseverance. He continued on. I look at just a couple of weeks ago, what did we, we saw on TV, and I was teasing people. I didn't care who won the football game. I have to be honest. I really didn't care. And uh, if you wanted the Bucks to win, then you know what? I wanted the other team. There wasn't any question about it. And if you wanted the other team, you know, guess who I was rooting for? If you wanted Kansas City, I was all over the Brady machine. And uh, I really didn't care. Some of you, though, you you are you have some perseverance, I found out. Some, some folks had some perseverance. You know what it is? The perseverance that they didn't like Tom Brady. They, they checked him up there and they gave him the, uh, the cheater category for problems that have happened in the past with other teams. And I thought that was interesting. But you know what I do find is, is you look and you go, wait a second, look at the age of that man. And yet still playing in the NFL. I, uh, uh, RJ and I, we have an acquaintance we know, and, and uh, I think it's funny. I, I pick on him uh, uh, every couple of months, and, and uh, Josh is, is very kind. He played in the NFL as a receiver, and, and Josh is so funny because you, you get picking on him, and he goes, he goes, please don't. I brought up one day the punishment of the NFL, and he goes, just don't remind me. He goes, it hurt. He said, it hurt. That's why I got out of it. He said, the pay was good. But it hurt. He said, it's unlike anything. He said, college was like playing peewee football. When you went to the pros, it's a different thing. And you look at somebody like a Tom Brady and you realize the perseverance that it takes for him to get that far or that long in that league is amazing. Regardless of some of those ill feelings folks have. But you know, it's, it's uh, as we go through and we look and you see uh, Calvin Coolidge, former president Calvin Coolidge, said this. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing's more common than unsuccessful individuals with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. There's uh, a man in the Bible who is... Uh, is when we look at him, uh, because uh, as we look through and you look at his persistence, he ran the stop sign and didn't quit. You look at Job and you say, there he is. Every reason to. And so in Job chapter 1, no, no man in the Bible outside of Jesus himself suffered more than Job. And it'd even be fair to say that, that outside of, of Jesus, no man suffered more unjustly or more unfairly than Job. And the one thing we find out at the very beginning of the story is, is that Job didn't bring any of his troubles on himself. You, you look and we begin in the land. You, you look and there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job and that man was perfect, upright, and one that feared God, eschewed evil, 
And there were born unto him seven sons, three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke oxen, 500 she asses, a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And the sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. I look and I say, whoa, wait a minute here. There's a, it's amazing. He had a beautiful wife. He had ten precious children. He's filthy rich. He's the most respected, revered man in the entire land. And he was the Wizard of Oz. Some of you will think about that for a little while. And he, uh, you look and he says, what's more remarkable is what God said about him. We drop down to verse number 8 and you'll see it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant? Have you considered my servant, Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Have you considered my servant, Job? And look at the, the look at the test, look at what God says about him. There's none like him, a perfect upright man, one that fears God. And he escheweth, for he runneth from evil. He runs from evil. So because of the conversation, God knew everybody everywhere. God said, there's nobody like this guy. There's nobody that loves me, looks to me, lives for me like Job. Nobody. Then because of a, a conversation recorded between God and Satan, where Satan basically questions Job, uh, Job's uh, sincerity and his motives, saying, that the, the only reason that Job does love God and serve God is because of God's goodness to him. He makes it, looks at it and says, well, it's all because of God's goodness that he, he acts that way, that he does so. Well, notice this is when the fun begins. Before you can blink an eye, Job loses his fortune. Thieves come and steal his ox, his donkeys, his camels. Then they kill all the servants. Lightning strikes and kill all the sheep and their shepherds. Then before he can even call his insurance company, he loses his family. A tornado sweeps in, kills all his children. Then, here we go, he loses his fitness. He's afflicted with sores and boils. cover his entire body with not a doctor in sight. You say, that's Job. Job went to bed with everything and he woke up with nothing except the most important thing, and that was his relationship with an almighty God. It's said that if Job was a country songwriter, he would have penned a song with this title. I can't eat by day, I can't sleep by night, and the woman I love don't treat me right. I look and I go, my goodness. 
if Job had responded the way the vast majority of people would, do you think this book would have ever been written? I mean, honestly. If you and I look and you go, well, how would have most of us responded if everything that we had was taken away from us? Hmm. But with great character, with perseverance from this man, he teaches us that tough times not only never last, but tough people do. Tough people do. So we face problems that we uh, that'll make us want to quit, don't we? I mean, I can reach back and we can talk about different troubles. And uh, the next time you think you got problems, go to the book of Job. You know what? I can. We can go to the book of Job and we can we can say, hey, look, if I have problems, <laughs> guess what? Here, let's go look at the book of Job. Let's encourage ourselves. Let's go look at the book of Job. It could be worse. It can always be worse. I look across in, in our community and we, we look and you, you say there's lots of things that have gone on in the last year. And I look and I've been on the phone with folks across our country and I can say very definitely, it could be worse in central Ohio. But it's not. It's not. You're here tonight. There are places in our country they can't gather to worship. We would have exceeded our number of, of, of ability to worship in a building in places in our country. Even right now, now some folks have different, whether they agree with that or don't agree with it, that's a whole nother, whole nother situation. But the realities of it is, is it could be worse. It could be worse. And uh, we look at Job and we realize, you know what, it, was, it, it could be worse. We face problems that, that sometimes they make us want to quit. See, they call, it, they call the day the stock market crashed and uh, during that caused or that when the stock market crashed during the great depression let's do that uh black monday you realize happened and uh, job had the blackest of all mondays if you read for yourself you you see the in verses 13 through 18 how the greatest estates anyone had ever had in history was totally wiped out in in less time than it takes for the earth to rotate on its axis completely in a day few enemies had slaughtered all of uh, Job's cattle. Lightning had destroyed his sheep. Thieves and murderers had killed all of his servants. Tornado had left his children dead and buried under the rubble uh, of their homes. And that was just the very first day. The first day. I don't know about you, but I look and I go, <laughs> I say it again. It could be worse. I can look and go, it could be worse. And and so uh, now round two begins. Round two begins, and it goes like this. A day or so later, Satan rises the stakes even higher, and now he asks God for permission to attack Job personally. See, originally, Satan said it's because of all of his wealth, all that you've blessed him with. That's why he praises you. That's why he's such a good man. That's the reason why he behaves the way he does. When Satan took all of that away. I find it really kind of interesting that now Satan goes, well, it really wasn't all of that. Let's, let me, let's touch his body now. Let me touch his body now. Let me, let me get a hold of him. Let, let, me, get a, let me get a part of him uh, personally and physically. And God allows it again. In fact, Satan drops a disease bomb on Job and utterly obliterates his health. 
See, a pastor went through the book of Job just to see all of the physical problems that he had, and I'm going to list them for you. I'm thankful somebody else did the work. And it goes like this. He had inflamed, ulcerous sores, persistent itching, degenerative changes in facial skin and disfiguration, total loss of appetite, fears and depression, Perluent sores that burst open, scab over, crack, ooze with a nastiness. Worms that form in the sores, breathing difficulties, foul breath, weight loss, chronic excruciating, continuous pain, high fever, chills, and diarrhea. Remember, this was in the day before insurance covered pre-existing conditions. <laughs> Nobody really wants to be around Job. He doesn't want to be around anybody else. So now, well, he's rejected, isolated, relocates to the city dump, which is what we'd call it today anyways. It's a place where they burn the garbage and the, the, the rubbish. What a disgusting place for a man who had so much. And we'll hear people tell us to quit. That's what happened to Job. See, Job's been bathed in an ocean of defeat and devastation, death, disease, depression. There was one more wave he didn't see coming, and it was the wave of discouragement. It's the one thing to be tempted to quit to be tempted to give in or to, 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 to give out or to give up. But it's another thing to be told to do it, and especially by the people that are closest to us. See, Job's drowning in this sea of sorrow, and his head is, is barely above water, and what he needs is, is a helping hand to pull him out. Instead, those that love him and, and uh, uh, that he loves and those that he, he trusts, uh, the most they put their, their foot in the... Uh, uh, in there and, and uh, they begin to get involved and it begins with his wife we take the journey through and Job's sitting on a pile of garbage scalping or scraping the, the sores on his skin and despair surrounds him like flies at a picnic and his wife comes up to him with these warm encouraging uplifting words in chapter 2 and verse number 9 Chapter 2 and verse number 9. Here she comes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. Wow. See, there's that word integrity. There's one thing that Job still had. Though he had lost almost everything, it's the one thing we can never afford to lose, and that's our integrity. Now she's asking Job to, Job to voluntarily not just throw the most important thing away, but throw his own life away. Those closest to him, the, the one thing that Job had continued to do in all of this was the right thing. He had done the right thing by not responding in the wrong way. And Yes, later on in the book he's going to confront God, but he'll never curse God. He'll try to reason with God, but he won't reject God. He, uh, 
He'll try to stand up to God, but he'll never walk away from him. Just imagine if your spouse comes to you, your, your best friend in all the world, basically telling you, commit suicide. End your own life. But do it while you are cursing God and shaking your fist in his face. So there are two things that Satan will always try to get us to do, particularly in tough times. Number one, quit on God, and number two, quit on your faith. Satan's always trying to get us to quit. How simple it would be, wouldn't it? Oh, it's easy just to quit on God. I don't know how many folks, a long time, that, that you look and you watch their, their service and you say, wait a second, serving God. I've always asked the question, and Lord help me, may I understand it more the older I get. But I've always asked the question, I, I look at, the, at our, 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 here we go with that funny word, golden years. I've always looked at that as a great opportunity to serve the Lord. A great opportunity. And yet so often we're so guilty of not doing so. Not using the opportunity that God's given us. I've watched a lot of folks say, well, that's for the younger kids to do. You realize some of the greatest ministry, some of the greatest wisdom that we have, we didn't learn until we were well past them in age. And it's time for us to minister. And kids, that's why he tells us, the scripture reminds us that we are to listen, to seek out that wisdom, to search out wisdom. Wisdom's crying out. Well, the good news is Job, Job still stood faithful. Job still stood faithful. He, uh, he still had some close friends. The bad news is Job still has uh, some close friends. Isn't that funny? It's the same phrase. What do you think of here? Preacher, there are the original three stooges. That's how I, I if you want to identify them in there, that's how I would identify them. For, for those that don't remember, the three stooges were always trying to do the right thing, but they wound up doing the wrong thing the wrong way, making things worse. Well, Job has three friends. They do the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Even though Job knew he had done nothing to deserve what had happened to him, that he had, had not brought any of this upon himself, and all he needed was a, a gentle counselor to encourage him. All he needed was somebody to put their arm around him and just give him some encouragement. But, no, these stooges, they felt like it was their job to accuse him. They tried to convince Job that he should quit himself. They tried to convince Job that he didn't have any integrity and that he was even a hypocrite. The logic went something like this. God's holy and he must punish sin. God is punishing Job. Therefore, Job has done something wrong and is getting exactly what he deserves. Job's wife said, why don't you throw away your integrity? Job's friend said, why don't you admit you never had any integrity to begin with? Now, not only does everything seem to be against Job, everybody seems to be against Job, and everything and everybody has joined to become the one choir singing a one-word song over and over again, quit. Job, quit. So we've either been there, or one day we will be there. We've all been knocked on our back. The referee has reached out 
to the count of nine. By the way, that's a boxing reference for some of you that don't know. In ten, you're out. But you got two choices. Lay there and quit or get up. Both his wife and his friends thought they had solved Job's problem, but if Job had taken their advice, he never would have been telling the story. You wouldn't have it in the Word of God. See, if Job would have listened to what his friends said, wait a minute, if he had taken their advice, he wouldn't be there. So what's Job going to do? Well, here we go. When those times in our life, what are we going to do? That leads to the third lesson. We, we have the perspective. We have to have the perspective that ensures we don't quit. Job looks. Job looks at, looks like he is on his last legs. If there's, there's no fight left, and you could be uh, upset if he decided to, to, to throw in the towel. Most people would have, would, uh, would have a, a and, and a lot of people do throw in the towel. They're done. I'm not going to do this no more. Let's go back to that first devastating day. Now, I've walked you through a lot of the book of Job and all of that. Let's go back to that first devastating day in chapter 1. When he lost almost everything, he's knocked on his back. And I believe it's one of the great passages in Scripture in verse number 20. Nine words in the Hebrew text. So in chapter number 1 and verse number 20, and he says, Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. When things get tough, there's a verse to hang on our hat on. When things get ugly, there's a verse to hang our hat on. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, notice what happens. Job, Job says it's time. He rose, he rent his mantle. That's that outer coat. He rent that mantle, he, he shaved his head, he falls upon the ground, and he begins to worship. He begins to worship. The devastation in his life did not distract him. It didn't destroy him. See, Job peels himself off the ground. He gets going back out into the, the match of life and, and to fight one more round. To fight one more round. See, here's what we know about this man named Job. He didn't wallow in self-pity. He didn't walk away from God, He, but he went to worship. No blame, no bitterness, no whining, no cursing, no, how are you doing this to me? What an upright man I've been. No, he didn't say that. He gives God the one thing that God always deserves in good times and bad, and that's worship. Giving God praise. Giving God glory. Telling a story what he's done for me I look at it and I go look at this incredible statements of the Bible when you look and, and you say there he is what does he say to his wife look in chapter 2 and verse number 10 chapter 2 verse number 10 he said to her thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh what shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil and all this did not Job sin with his lips. <laughs> You're a good man, Job. You're a good man. 
colossal failures with our mouth. I, I, I say that because, you know what, I am good at that. A colossal failure with my mouth. My attitude might be all the right. My, my motive might be all the right. Probably not. But colossal failures with my mouth, and I read that portion of Scripture, and I see a man who he kept his tongue. He didn't say the wrong thing. You think it could have been easy to stick his foot in his mouth right there? Say the wrong thing? Maybe even say it with the wrong attitude? Maybe, I mean, we could go on. And I look at that verse and I go, look at the, 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 the picture in, in front of him as he said, talk, speaks to his wife, one of the most incredible statements. Job's saying, we might not like what life gives us, but we can always trust God who loves us and gave his life for us. I can trust him. No, Job didn't quit on, on God or his faith because of God and because of his faith. He didn't quit on himself. And that's why we can read the testimony about him. You can look in verse number 22 of chapter 1 and we can see the image it says in all this. Job sinned not, nor charged God falsely. In all this, Job didn't sin in what he said. It's because of his perseverance. We have this book in the Bible, and, and we know about this man. In fact, 1,800 years later, the brother of Jesus, a man named James, pointed to Job as an example. In chapter 5 and verse number 11, you've heard of Job. You've heard of Job. You've heard of his perseverance. That's a, you look at it, you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. 1,500 years, Job's story had been told, retold from generation to generation. The story of Job is not just about his suffering. It's more about his standing. He refused to quit. He refused to quit. A history professor once said, if Columbus had turned back, no one would have blamed him. Nobody would have remembered him either. But Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. We know who he is today because he didn't turn around. See, when life goes sideways, when a wave of trouble smacks you in the face, knocks you flat on your back, you either lower your view of God or you raise your faith in Him. When you make your decision, remember God is always totally, completely, and absolutely in charge. No matter how hard, no matter which way. I, see, if we lose everything and He's wiped out everybody we love, realize He's still in charge. He's still in charge. See, we lose everything. He wipes it out. He's still in charge. See, we might question God. But don't ever quit on him. Because God never quits on us. See, when God starts a work in us, he finishes it. God promises he'll never quit on us. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful. He's always faithful. He was faithful 
to keep it and commit it until the day of Jesus Christ. What if Jesus had quit before he got to the cross? He wouldn't be saved today. There wouldn't be a way to miss hell today. But he made a way. He didn't. He didn't quit on the cross. So we wouldn't, we shouldn't. And God has a process. How he wants our life to flow. It's not always an easy road. Oh, I wish it was. I wish that I could tell you that the next day and tomorrow is going to be easier than today was. Or I wish that I could tell you that, that the rest of your life is going to be smooth sailing. Oh, I wish I could tell you that. I wish that I could pump you all up and go, woo, yay, you kids, when you graduate high school, it's grand, it's glorious, it's wonderful, it's better than you'll ever know. Enjoy it while you're in school, gang. I love you, but enjoy it while you're there. You know why? Because it all changes. And you know what else I know? Is I know that in the last days, there are troubled times that are coming. There are troubled times. There are tribulations, the Bible says. That troubled times. You know, we're going to need, I believe we're going to need people like Joseph in those last days. Matter of fact, we're told in, in 2nd and 3rd John, uh, back there in, just in front of the book of Revelation, we're told about the Antichrists that will be coming and the many false teachers that will be coming. And I believe you look around and we're real close to that day the many false teachers and the many false things that we're being told. I could go, we, we could be here all night and going just down that road alone. And the trouble and the challenging times. How about the control that's been placed over our life? And we look at it and you go, now pastor, that, that doesn't seem real promising. Well, you know why? Because you know what? God says, don't quit. Don't quit. Let's not quit. Let's realize. You know what? For his glory, God's got a plan. See, the next time we run into the stop sign of life, and everyone's telling us, oh, just quit. Oh, just quit. Run that stop sign, and you'll find God waiting with open arms. God waiting with open arms. I talked with a gentleman and lives just around the corner from Jerry this week. I've known uh, this gentleman for quite some time. Some of you have prayed for his little girl, Brinley. It was over a year ago that Brinley, not even a year old, was taken to a close to home, a children's close to home. When they went into the close to home, she had a cardiac failure and they went to work on her one of the uh, I, I, I just cannot imagine um, I received a call in, in uh, the next morning actually to, to go down she had made it through the night they got her down to children's made it through the night and uh, but 
I remember telling Casey, I said, uh, and we were praying. I said, God's got a plan, and I don't understand it, but, but God's got a plan. Let's fast forward a few months. That was right at Thanksgiving, more than a year ago. In that day, the doctors looked, and the neuroscience doctor looked at uh, looked at Casey and his wife, and he was preparing them for that little girl to not be here anymore. And pulled me aside and said, "Preacher, your job's to give hope. My job's to tell the truth." And I looked at that neurosurgeon, surgeon, and, and that doctor, and I told him, I said. I serve an awful big God. And I don't know what he's doing. But I know that he's a big God. And he can take care of this little girl. Let's fast forward those 15 months or whatever it's been now. And you look and you watch. He's no longer laying in the hospital. Matter of fact, they're getting ready to take her off of her, her uh, some of her uh, kidney dialysis that she's been on for the last year. They're getting ready to remove her PD tube. We serve a big God. That same neurosurgeon was kind of funny because I continued to visit with them over time. And I walked in on one Saturday morning and some of you may remember the high school boy that went up for a dunk over here at the high school over at Buckeye Valley and and uh, had an accident. Hit his head and, and uh, they med-flighted him down to, to Children's. I walked in to visit with Casey and his wife and Casey said, you know April, she's down the hallway. Troy's down there with her. I come walking in the door in the neuroscience doctor's there. He looked at her. He looked at me. And he says to her, he serves a big God. Let him pray. Casey was funny. When we were talking this week, he said, uh, he said, preacher, he says, I don't understand. He said, God took us through all of that. We were joking. He says, I have a $2 million baby. $2 million baby. Her medical costs alone. He goes, I don't understand that for a minute. But he says, I went to a doctor's meeting my wife last week and we walked in a neuroscience doctor's office and he asked me where's that preacher of yours Casey goes he's an ocean winner Casey knows that I like to stir him up we get to laughing and cutting up together Casey goes he's an ocean he says he serves And then began to tell Casey, Caitlin, 
wieder gebracht. And that's an act of God. That is not. We had all the right genes, but he defied medicine. She should not be living today. And yet look at her, passing all of the things we're talking about. And you look and you go, wait a minute. I may not understand what God's doing as you're taking the journey, but remember, He's in control no matter what's going on. No matter how ugly it looks, how difficult it may be, He's in control. Job remembered that. And may we, as the tribulation comes, as the difficult comes, as the perilous comes, when they come, may we remember He's in control. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful. Thankful that no matter what goes on, in this life, you're there. That no matter what's going on, you have promised that you'd hold our all the way through. Lord, I ask that you would help us tonight. That no matter what crosses our path, that we would be like Job. That we'd stand for you. Lord, that we'd take these, these first couple of chapters and, and the remainder of the book and, and to learn to prepare ourselves for the days ahead. Lord, I ask that you help us to grow in perseverance, to realize it's not time to throw it in. It's not time to quit. It's time to stand. It's time to shine. It's time to move forward. And it's time to Father, we thank you, and I ask that you stir us today, in your name, in Jesus' name.